Everyone wants to be the CEO, but no one wants to be a 2IC, but often you become a 2IC before you ever get to that place. So I'm always, I'm always watching that. I'm always wanting to be a learner. What mistake do you think the church has made in not being relevant um, to our generation? The problem is passion looks a lot like anger when you're speaking. Oh, so. excuses. So, yeah. How many teams do you actually lead and how do you lead and inspire your team? As I started doing that, I noticed people start taking photos and they remember it. Yeah, that's right, um, we do. I think in a lot of those scenarios, you take out a lot of your anger and frustration on each other. And I think you have to know that you're a team. If anyone that is Christian, I think I got baptized the day before I came on staff. Like I got, I got rushed through the process. You know, I think you want to be in the room with people that are smarter than you, more gifted than you, uh, more qualified than you. There's something about a team that can just achieve something an individual never won't. Welcome to the Sisters That Slay podcast, featuring Mim, Fez and Beef, also known as Miriam, Talitha and Ferial. We are three sisters building our mini sister empire and bringing you on the journey. We're passionate about learning and growing from those that have been there, done that, ticked the box, won the prize and have the scar. Real people, real stories, we uncover their secrets to how they are living their best lives and push through their lows. Dream the impossible and make it your reality. One life, the critics, you've got a sisterhood that want to see you slay. Hello everyone and welcome to the Sisters That Slay podcast coming live from the pod booth. We have a very special guest on today. We have Doran Jubert. How are you going? This is Welcome. good. Welcome. And we also have... It's your girl, Ferial. I'm back, everyone. <laughs> Welcome. Awesome. We've missed you, Ferial. <laughs> Love you. to have you. <laughs> uh, but yeah, let's get on to our special guest here. He is a husband, a father, a friend, and he is also my pastor. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Or what did you like to call him? Uh, he is a spiritual gangster. Gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Soul okay. sisters have brought in their spiritual gangster today. Uh, so, but on a serious note, you have helped me through some incredibly difficult times. Um, a relationship breakdown, a divorce, a business breakup. And um, every Sunday I get to hear your pearls of wisdom. Uh, but you've also got an incredible story. So I'm really looking forward to um, hearing and sharing your story with everyone and I encourage people to be open-minded because um, you're an awesome person Thanks. and you're a, a cool young guy. Yeah, and I'd like to think so, I hope so. Yeah, and I really feel like there is a bit of a spiritual sort of movement happening, particularly in the entrepreneurial mm. world. Um, I was recently at a Daydream Island, very tough gig, doing a retreat <laughs> there. And um, it was quite amazing to see these young guys. We were doing a purpose playbook, so a vision oh. for our life. Yep. And we had 11 areas for our life and what we wanted to achieve. And um, my mentor, Jack Delosa, one of his top ones was, spiritual connection wow and another um another guy andrew morello one of his top four areas in his life was spirituality yeah so it is becoming the spiritual entre spiritual entrepreneurship is yes. a rising movement and also just thinking like yeah for me it's there is more to life yeah so, absolutely absolutely yeah. 
I'm excited. Let's good. get ready to go and starting Ooh. on some serious questions. We've got our <laughs> first serious yes. one of the day. Hitting hard straight away. <laughs> Bang. Ready. Favorite childhood celebrity crush. Yeah, we talked about this. Anyway. <laughs> it's really funny. I was trying to think, who was, the, who was the poster I had up in my kid's bedroom as a teenager? Because that's what you did as yes. a teenage boy. And it was Katie Holmes because yeah. of Dawson's Creek. Yeah. And we were joking. We realized I've just had a massive... Uh, revelation that my wife actually looks a little bit like Katie Holmes and I never realised it. It's mental. Ten so, minutes ago this oh realisation came to pass. So <laughs> partly cool, partly or... odd. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Love it. And so your favourite movie? Favourite movie? Okay. I don't know if I have a favourite movie, but um, anything that's an underdog story or based yeah. on a true story, I love them. So I just saw Green Book uh, at the movies. That's amazing. Great. Um, even if they're funny ones like uh, The Replacements or Dodgeball as a kid. Um, <laughs> okay. I love any of the inspirational ones, Coach Carter, anything like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love them. They're awesome. Personally, I don't like the horror movies or scary movies. No. I want to be inspired. Yeah, absolutely. Love it. Absolutely. And what are you currently obsessed by? Um, so I have a very addictive personality. Ooh, so yes. um, anything, I kind of get into fads. So and they kind of recycle through the same five fads. But I'm at <laughs> I'm at squash at the moment. So do squash early in the morning. Um, so like I act- how early? Oh, not terribly early, 7 a.m. So Great. I've got a court that's about five minutes from me. So, awesome. um, yeah, oh. obsessed with squash. So I do that three, and four times. What are your other fads that you cycle through, just quickly? Table tennis. Yes. Table tennis. We are table tennis girls too. Um, yep, obsessed with that. Um, <laughs> How did that go, Miriam? Hold on, no, just do that again. No, I want to hear the other fads. I want to hear the oh, other fads. Oh, gosh. Look, FIFA and NBA 2K on yeah. PlayStation. Okay. Um, so, you know, I, I, I work with a lot of youth leaders and that's where uh, I get to get to, you know, destroy them in that. Okay. Um, golf as well. Mm-hmm. I stopped doing golf because that's, you know, that's like half a day out. Yeah. But I love golf. Okay. Um, oh, just anything. Cool. Like, you we, know. We are so organizing a table I tennis know. tournament. Oh, really? Done. Yeah. yeah. Done. There's one in the Flinders um, there is, area. Yeah. Table there tennis is. Tournament. I can't believe that hasn't happened Bring already. On. I, I did one and I went through <laughs> every one of our youth one game after another. So. And you were, can I just say, like, when I was younger, like, I was the champion of the current place at the church that I was tending. Yes. And I beat everyone. Ooh. So Ooh. I'll just, Rating like, just put it out there. Wow. That I, okay. I was church champion and I claim that there okay. was, I was the one and only. Okay, yeah. we're on so, then. Yeah. Bring it on. We're going to do it. <laughs> and what did you last Google? I actually, yeah, I, we were looking at that before. I Look, the, to be honest, the last <laughs> thing I Googled was a white background for, for social media to put text on it. But um, <laughs> the thing before that is I Googled Carl Chalmers' uh, 100 metre race that he won um, in 2016 Olympics. I was talking to someone about He basically comes from last. And wins gold as a sixteen-year-old and breaks records. So, and you personally wow. know him, is that right? Or yeah, I do. Okay, so I met him uh, in a really cool way. I went to go speak at a conference in Queensland, mm-hmm. and there was another person speaking there that was a. He used to be an Olympic swimmer, but basically just got messed up by drugs and um, was speaking at the church there about just his, you know, uh, where he's at now. And uh, he basically connected me with the Australian Olympic chaplain who um, who obviously was reaching out to Kyle Chalmers at the time. And uh, Kyle just won, go- won gold and basically just 
thousands of dollars, sponsorships, everything. Um, and I just basically connected with him, got a burrito and just been good mates since. And uh, to be honest, he really inspires me, but we probably just have a great friendship back and forth. And yeah, it's awesome. Connected over a burrito. Yeah, that's, that's the way. You're like our type of person. Yeah, Chipotle going down the side of your mouth and <laughs> deep chats going on in between. Absolutely. Cool. We're going to have to maybe, can you like hook him up and get a, like, can we get him on our show maybe? Yeah, yeah, awesome. absolutely. Yeah, he'd be He's from Adelaide, is that right? He is. He lives in Marion, so he actually lives down the road. Oh, yeah, we, southern suburbs. From where we do church. Oh. Um, and But he's, his schedule is just mental. He yeah, swim right. four times a day. Still to, swimming all, all yeah, the Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, yeah. he's he's got Olympics next week. Uh, next year, sorry, not next week. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> well, <laughs> that, that crept up quickly. Yeah, no, gee. <laughs> so. Yeah, awesome. And a daily ritual for peak productivity or performance. Yeah, I get up. So I get up pretty early. I used to be terrible. So I actually grew up in a family where my dad worked in the Defence Force, brothers in the Army. He's a sniper. And mum's family, when she was a kid, we were all in the army. So they always got me up early and I hated it as a teenager. Like how early? What is early? Like they would basically just be making noise. They'd send the dog in, which would lick my face like 10 to 6 kind of thing. Ooh, and I yeah. hated it as a teenager. But Send the dog in to lick your face. Oh, it's the worst. We got water splashed on us sometimes. Oh, gosh. So, um, <laughs> what is worse? <laughs> I never loved it. And then I got married and I was like, this is awesome. I'll be able to sleep in. And I didn't realize, but I married someone. Katie Hopes. Oh, I know. <laughs> and Mel gets up super early. So um, so now I have two and I'll do, I'll go for a run. Uh, I'll, you know, I'll just smash it. I get more work done eight to nine than I feel like I do sometimes nine to five. So Yeah, wow. Um, Absolutely. And tell us about your early years. You've got an accent. Is I that do. right? Very, mm. It's very faint. I do. Yeah. So I was born. Put on the accent it, for us. I, my, you know, Mel says there's little words that come out. She's like, oh, there's South African and oh, there's New Zealand. Um, so I was born in South Africa and I lived there until I was about nine years old. And then I moved to uh, New Zealand, lived there till I was, I was 16. Um, and then moved here to do my last bit of high school. Um, and now I'm 31 now. So, uh, yeah, about nine years, South Africa, six years, New Zealand, and whatever the gap is to 31 here. Which so. is the best country. Ooh. I love Australia, actually. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I probably love New Zealand the least, which is terrible. Um, <laughs> it's just the weather was terrible. Sorry to our New Zealand fans. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Um, but then the nostalgic factor of South Africa, you just remember it as a kid. So, yeah, you love it. Mm. But. And uh, probably something that people don't know, but we've heard you've shared, you were adopted, is that yeah. right? Yeah, my um, my birth parents had me when they were 16. Mm -hmm. um, so obviously I was a, a flicker in their eye um, and they put me up for adoption um, to the parents that I have now. Um, and uh, basically it's just how it happened is pretty extraordinary. So in South Africa at the time, um, if you ever, you know, my parents that I have now, um, if you ever wanted to adopt kids, they generally do one boy and one girl. Uh, so my parents adopted my brother, adopted from a different set of parents, and then uh, they adopted me. And the fact that they got two boys is really rare. Mm. Um, that wasn't something that they did at the time. Um, so they've adopted me. They've been great parents. And um, yeah, I've- Did you ever really struggle with that or have you tried to find your birth parents or anything like that? Uh, to be honest, 
I haven't. And um, I've been pressed by certain therapists on, um, you know, is it all underneath the surface? And look, there's probably definitely points where, you know, certain rejection things and stuff like that could prop up. But it's it's never become something that I've really had to wrestle with. And I guess we'll get into some of that. But for me, that's always been um, a bit of a God thing, you know. Um, I've always probably had a, a lot of identity in that. And it's never been, it's not something I'm super cut about, but it's also not something I really feel like I need to pursue. Mm. I, I really do feel like I, you know, obviously there's points, but I really do feel like it's always been something I've had a had a fair, fair bit of a um, grasp on. Yeah. yeah so. And Mel, your beautiful wife. Yeah, she's pretty good. She's so joyful. Yeah, like she's nicest, awesome. Like one of the nicest um, women I know. Oh, that's really nice. Yeah, yeah I think so. so. And you guys are like the cutest Instagram uh, couple. Oh, gosh. I was, Instagram go- I was trying to like find like a photo of you guys. And this is like, the, you guys, it's just, you're so in love. I yeah. was like looking at the photos and just the way you guys look at each other and the way yeah. you speak about Mel, it's like real love there. Yeah, yeah. Now she's awesome. Um, you know? How did you guys meet? Yeah, so we, um, my whole, I guess, well, church journey and whole everything journey was I moved to Australia and uh, I was at I was at high school, went to uni. I was studying to be a psychologist. Um, I was dating a girl from year 12. Uh, we broke up uh, halfway through my first year in uni and um, and I remember it really wrecked me. So uh, I always been a bit of a probably a, a softy. I was definitely when I was younger. So that wrecked me. And I, I remember reaching out to a mate. Um, a guy called Simon who's actually also a pastor now um, and uh, he invited me along to a barbecue now the funny thing about my friend Simon is he's the he's that friend that always invites you to imp- inappropriate stuff and you're there and you're like what the heck are you doing right <laughs> that's so, me yeah <laughs> and I'm just like randoms. this isn't it. why am I here <laughs> um, so I rocked up and it was a it was like a youth leaders breakup so there were like 60 youth leaders there all having a barbecue that had all volunteered for a whole year and then and here's this guy rocking up getting a free feed and I was like what are you doing anyway that that barbecue probably it probably changed my life from mm. 21 so at that barbecue I met Mel my wife she was oh, there wow. and I was like she's pretty good and uh, <laughs> and straight away we just became good friends uh, I met another great friend and guy I've uh, done church stuff with uh, Mark Evans and uh, from there I just formed new friendships and uh, yeah, like everything kind of changed from there for me. Wow. So, there awesome. you go. And what hashtag couples goals tip do you have? How long have you been married for now? Uh, ask a question. Seven years. <laughs> Seven years. Seven years. Um, oh, for us, like, I don't know. I think we've always just been really good friends um, from the start. So, mm-hmm. for us, I always want to hang out with the boys, but if I get free time, like I want to actually hang out with her. Um, so I would just say, you know, we've always been a romantic relationship, but there's always been friendship there, yeah. you know? Um, and for me, I would just say, you want to be absolutely great friends with who you're married to um, because, yeah, I just think that's so important. And how long, so friendship to dating, how long was that process? Yeah, we dated for uh, four years. So we dated for quite a while. Oh, wow. Uh, wow. We were both at uni. She was studying to be a social worker, myself, a psychologist. Um, We dated for four years and then we've been married for six, seven years. So we've known each other for about 11 years. Um, Six months of engagement 
in there as well. Yeah, so about 11 years now. Mm, right. Um, yeah, so. And something that you've also shared, um, you, yeah, you share a lot of your personal journey and your yeah. messages. You guys struggled um, to have a child for a while. Yeah. Yeah, we did. So we, we struggled for, we were trying for about four years and yeah. there were a whole bunch of health things that uh, made that very difficult. Um, what I like to do is not say, I say it was our it was our fight to fight as a married couple. It wasn't any particular person. I think that's important. But we tried for four years. Uh, we ended up going through Repromed, getting a whole bunch of tests. We tried some minor. We tried the test that you genuinely do before IVF, um, and that was like unsuccessful on the last day, which was like heartbreaking. And we'd always wanted to be parents. Um, look, there probably the the adoption factor was a was a thing. I always wanted to be a parent, um, and. I remember we went away on a holiday to Bali and basically reprimanded, said to us, hey, you need to go away. Next step is IVF. Go save six grand. This is what you needed. You know, this is what's going to happen. And we'll walk through this when you get there. And um, and after about four and a half years, we fell pregnant just without trying, just yeah, just awesome. hanging out. And we were, yeah, so obviously we were absolutely blown away by that mm. so yeah we've got a, quite a few friends um going through that process now yeah it's tough what, what got you through the like oh look again mel and i were great friends so i think in a lot of those scenarios you take out a lot of your anger and frustration on each other and i think you have to know that you're a team so for us we were always happy as a married couple this wasn't to add value but it was always been something that we wanted so for us the friendship factor was there um but uh, I guess again, we'll get more into it, but but the God stuff was there for us. We we really felt like we would have a kid, like we really did. Um, and there was something about that whole journey which I guess taught us some stuff as well. Mm. Um, we could be sympathetic to friends. Yeah. Uh, you know, I actually became. I, I say this. I've said this a lot, but I became a. I became an uncle, like to some of Mel's family, and I learned to, you know, put down my phone and turn the TV off. And spend time with them and um for me i was like if we can't have kids then i'm gonna love the nieces that i do have and i think um i think that was quite incredible you know so cool and how has being a father changed you um look it's it's changed me in a lot of ways it's realized that um uh Oh, just in heaps of ways like obviously my love for my family is just it grows and um you know you grow in your capacity you realize you can do so many things that you couldn't do before uh, you thought you were busy before you had kids and then you yeah. have kids and you're like no nah. yeah. <laughs> and then just wait and i've only got one so <laughs> that's right um oh look it's you're you just care so much about them mm. like you know a sniffly nose just like that enough breaks your heart you're like oh come on you know you just want to protect them and love them um yeah, and you just you really enjoy it yeah you know? so you were studying psychology yes. um wanting to be a psychologist what made you decide to become a pastor yeah so i i say that i i fell into it so i you know i attended sunday school you know a couple of times a year when I was younger, but uh, I would say I really kind of switched on in Australia. I never went to a Christian school. My mates weren't Christian at school. Um, so I wouldn't say I was at any means a, a Christian kind of kid. Um, but what happened was I, I was studying psychology at the time and I, I met Mel, I met Mark, I met a few of these friends and I just 
got on with them like a house on fire. And at the time, uh, the church I work at now, um, they basically their whole youth ministry staff got wiped out. So they had four people on staff. So they were looking up, they were looking after for the viewers. They were looking for up to, you know, 300, 400 kids, right? And one burnt out, one got glandular fever, and another two, um, uh, they, basically the whole team got wiped out. Uh, so three people that had been around for ages uh, came on staff and uh, they were like, they basically were looking for one more. I'd been helping out and volunteering and um, they asked me to come on part time. And uh, we were just looking after young people that whether disadvantaged or whoever they were, and a lot of them. Um, and I came on and I, I really fell into it. I'd barely been going to church for that long. Um, <laughs> you know, for anyone that is Christian, I think I got baptized the day before I came on staff. Like I, got, I got rushed through the process. Um, Fast track. But for me, I've always liked that because, yeah, because I've up. wanted to be... Sink or swim. <laughs> yeah, and, and I don't want to be the Christianese guy that, you know, mm. where people just dismiss what you've gone through because, oh, you've, you've just known church all your life. Well, I haven't. Like... Um, uh, so from there, you know, I, I finished my bachelor, I deferred honours, went to uh, Bible college, continued working and being full time. And now I've done it for, yeah, pretty much 10 years. Wow. So. And you've um, set up your own church now. How, how did that process, like what happened with that? Yeah, yeah. So uh, we started a campus on the south of Adelaide. So um, for anyone that I don't know, doesn't live in Adelaide. Adelaide's pretty split in half, north and south. Mm -hmm. And we've always had campuses uh, on the north side, none on the south side. Um, and we kind of ventured down there. And um, my uh, leader just asked, uh, my oversight asked if, you know, approached us and said if it's something we'd love to do. And for me, I'd always loved it. Um, I like the adventure of it. I like the the way it's not monotonous. Like, you know, every week's a different challenge. Some week the doors are locked because we don't have our own building. Um, and again, for me, I always probably wanted the adventure of it. Um, you know, when I first went to church, I could barely, you know, stay seated for 20 minutes because I get so, like, angsty. Um, <laughs> so for me, I love the whole you know, I have a love-hate relationship with it, but I, I love the whole challenge. I love starting something out of nothing. Yeah. Um, I like the whole adventure and journey of it, and, yeah, I've loved it. So. Yeah, because we remember the very first Facebook advertising yes. for it, and that was just an incredible um, spo sponsored ad, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. that's right, yeah. yeah. I mean, obviously, these days, social media is a lot of how you get the message across. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, which is awesome because it's a lot cheaper than a mail out, so yeah. <laughs> like you would back in the day. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, we've been doing that for two years, and and I guess a lot of how people hear about it is through through the social media. Yeah. Um, and I think that resonated got, with us. Really. Yeah. Instagram ad, but yeah. it, I mean, just talking about marketing, you like you guys text message out. Yeah. yeah I get an yeah. email out yeah. every week with faces. I get all these messages um, yeah. and Facebook and Instagram. So from like the marketing perspective, I'm like loving it all. Yeah. yeah. That's right. <laughs> well, I think it's important. Like a lot of people, when they think church, they think old steeples and mm. old men and why aren't you? wearing a robe door and so yeah. a lot of those are they're about getting info out but they're also about showing uh you know the heart of what it is so when mm. they see that it's young people when they see that it's modern you know some people feel like it's a concert a lot of those it's it's sending information but it's also it's showing the heartbeat mm. of what we are and i think a lot of people yeah. see it and go get curious you know yeah so. that's right well it definitely grabbed our attention for sure that's and good. what has been the most meaningful part of becoming a pastor is there someone that you've helped in particular or yeah for me um 
for me, I wouldn't say there's one individual, but one of the things I, when I was studying psychology is, um, you know, particularly at the uni I was at, they, they push you a lot towards a PhD. Um, and my wife was doing social work, right? So she was working a lot with people and placements and I was a lot in textbooks, which is obviously important, the training and all that's really important. So for me, um, I used to look at what my wife was doing and be like, oh man, I want to, like I'm a people person. I want to be around people, not in textbooks, right? And obviously after a certain amount of time, you are with people. But um, for me, the most meaningful thing about being a pastor is it's always been about people for me. So mm-hmm. doesn't matter what the story is, doesn't matter if you're you know, the perfect person or the least perfect person or whatever. If I can help people, if I can help them move one step forward, then I feel it makes me come alive, but I also feel like I'm doing what I was always meant to do. So the most meaningful part really is people. It's not about buildings, programs. Um, you know, it's not even about what I teach. Uh, you know, I guess I do have a quote. We we're saying I don't really have one quote, but um, <laughs> what's your quote? <laughs> people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care, mm, you know? And yeah. for me, I think that's really important um, in being a pastor. So, and talking about caring. What so the church's influences? What does the church do to help people in the community? Yeah, so I mean, it's it's down from small things to larger things. Uh, you know, obviously, we're just trying to provide meaningful and genuine connection between families. Um, we're trying to do everything we can to mentor youth, provide a place of belonging for young adults, um, down to stuff that we're doing in the community. And at the moment, we're in talks of a whole bunch of things that we can do uh, with the DV shelter down south um, with a lot of the domestic violence families there. Um, Obviously, do run a lot of food programs. So I guess if I'm saying for me, I want to move people one step forward. Well, um, imagine hundreds of people doing that. So hopefully as as a church, no matter what the need is, we're moving them one step forward towards a place where they feel you know, stronger than they were before. Mm. So, And I think one of the most, um, I just love, you've got this fashion parade um, every year, but the whole, uh, the thing I love about the most is that you raising money to help this woman's shelter. Yes. And you got like the before and after photos. And so you're very good with um, just showing what the church is doing to help people. What yeah. is that shelter? What is the, what's the story around that? that yeah, called? BU Fashion Parade is, it was an idea of um, our senior leader. Her name's Pastor Jane Evans. And uh, I love it because people that are super Christian get, uh, why would you do a fashion parade? Why is it all about the outside and clothes and stuff like that? And I love that. That it cha- challenges the paradigm of of a Christian, because we, you know, it's it's just something you'd never expect a church to do. Now, those people that complain about it don't realise that all of these um, clothing places donate all their clothes for free to be modelled. But what they do with the clothing is they all give a donation of a voucher. It might be a hundred dollar voucher, five hundred dollar voucher. Some holiday places give up to like a thousand, two thousand dollar vouchers. They donate it completely free, right? And what we do is on the day, I think they give something up to two to 300 giveaways and they give it to just, it's almost like Oprah Winfrey, right? They give it to the <laughs> you people. Get you that's you get right. You have to be in the car. So they might go, hey, who's a single mum here that hasn't had time for themselves for five years? Mm. Um, we want to we want to bless you with this this makeover, a clothing voucher. So people, they're like, oh, why are you making it all about the superficial? It's not. It's called BU Be because it's all about being yourself, right? Yeah. But not people that have never been to church come in and go, what? You know, this is amazing. The fashion parade, right? Um, but it's that that's just the door to 
you know, so people come in. But from there, we're just trying to bless people. So you have families that are just in complete financial hardship. They, they'll, you know, they'll say, who's, you know, who's here wants a holiday? And, you know, they have a holiday. And mm. for us, um, that is almost all donated by people that are just generous, that aren't Christians, just generous. Yeah, you that's know? awesome. So. And talking as yourself as a leader. Yes. Um, like how many team do you actually lead and how do you lead and inspire your team? Yeah. So, I mean, I've led probably a, a range of teams. Um, uh small and large where we are right now it's it's a, probably a much smaller team than what i was doing before um where we're at a much bigger campus you know um so now obviously we're leading i lead teams of volunteers so almost everyone that i lead is an on staff um so for me the way i lead is uh i guess one of the things i say is i, I lead by example not instruction so i feel like i can't ask anyone to do anything that i'm not willing to do myself because mm. that just makes you a hypocrite right yeah um, so for me, uh, I feel like if you have to ask someone to do something, then I feel like there's a better way to lead and maybe I inspire them by being an example and they actually ask to want to be a part of the team. Um, for me, I think giving big vision is really important. So wherever I am, I'm trying to think of what the biggest needs are um, and then I'm, I'm casting vision into that. So, um, you know, uh, trying to... For me, it's really important uh, as a team that we're being genuine and real. And uh, so I'm trying to do that. I'm trying to be an example of that, but I'm encouraging team, hey, you know what? There's a great challenge these days to, you know, not just put on a mask and pretend everything's okay, but to um, to be real and genuine and to yeah. break through by being an example, mm. you know? I love, we talk about green brain, red brain, and you've green brained your team to be the dream team yes um like is there like is there a cool motto behind that or anything um no i think it just sounds good and it kind of rhymes <laughs> but um uh oh look we we want something that's easy to remember and i mean uh we do that because it's really important for me i don't want people to think that everything we're doing is built on all the amazing things I've done because I'm just one person. Yeah. I've realized that that team is one of the most powerful things you can have. Um, and, you know, a hundred people can do so much more than one person. Um, you know, I think you want to be in the room with people that are smarter than you, more gifted than you, uh, more qualified than you. There's something about a team that can just achieve something an individual never won't. Um, and I've realized there's nothing, you know, uh, less fulfilling than thinking you're the man and arriving in a place and realizing you did it alone. You know? <laughs> um, certainly yeah. not you. No, no, no. Um, and who has been your mentor? Um, look, for me, I think I think anything in life is you want to be a learner. So I say to people, I actually don't talk too much about mentors because a lot of our generation these days feel really discouraged because they don't have a mentor, right? Mm. Um, I, I try to encourage people to, to be a learner, not someone that's necessarily mentored because you can learn from a mentor, you can learn from an inspirational movie, yeah. you can learn from a book, you can learn by watching people. So for me, I, I'm trying to learn as much as I can from as much around me as possible. Um, now I have a couple of mentors, but for me, I've learned to be a self learner. Um, so whether it's books, podcasts, whatever it is, um, I try to mentor myself, not just through people, but through everything that I can. You know, I would say my wife is probably one of my greatest mentors because oh. 
your your partner knows the real you, <laughs> you know, um, and they have a great ability of, of pointing that out and um, try not to be defensive and go, absolutely, you're right. Let me grow through that, you know. Yeah. And just um, I have been and I actually look so learning. That's I love that response. And yeah. I actually your presentations that your messages that you do on Sunday, I learn so much from just how you present. Yeah. Oh, it's awesome. Um, so in terms of public speaking, because I'm yeah, I'm on that journey at the moment of sharing my story. Um, how like how do you how do you prepare for your message? Yeah. What do you sort of do? Yeah. So. I would say I'm a little bit of an unorthodox preparer. Um, So a lot of people spend a lot of hours and a lot of time. Uh, What I do is I think about something and I think about it. I think about it in the car, think about it in the shower. I'm always thinking about it. So when I go to write, write my message, it literally will come out in like I'll write it start to finish and it'll come out in an hour, hour and a half. Mm -hmm. Um, So a lot of people will spend you know, hours upon hours working on wording and stuff like that. Um, I make sure I'm not so specific that it stops me from sharing my heart. Um, But I will think things through. I'm a thinker, so I always think about stuff. Um, And then I'll just, I I say it's literally like vomiting on a a piece of paper, (laughs) right? It just kind of comes out. I try not to say it because I have a lot of friends that they don't prepare like that and it discourages them because they spend a lot of hours. But for me, that's, kind of how I prepare. Yeah. yeah. So do you um, write it out like word for word or I do, yeah. I do. Yeah, right. And then do you say it in front of a mirror or like Yeah. Yeah, I have a rule where I will So I've the other thing I this is why I say I'm unorthodox. I have a slightly photographic memory. So um, when I went into exams I could look at a piece of paper and it would stick in my mind. Right. Um, so I would test really, really well. But the thing is, if you asked me anything about that a week later, I wouldn't know anything about it mm. because my memory in that moment was like was stuck there, you know. Um, so I will. I have a, a twenty time rule. So I read my message twenty times. Wow. And then twenty. Yeah, I just read through it twenty but, times. So what? So you you speak it on Sunday. When do you write it? And then when do you do your twenty times? So I will write it on a Thursday. Yeah. Um, so I kind of have a Thursday tradition where I, I drop my daughter at my grandparents and then I go for a run Henley to Grange Beach. Yeah. Then I at the beach in an hour and a half write my message and then go. Um, at the beach. Yeah. So <laughs> I put my earphones in and I, awesome. and I do it. And then on um, Saturday I might fine tune some stuff, but yeah. I'll just read through it. Like then. are you handwriting so it on a pad, iPad? What are you doing? Laptop. Yeah. Laptop. laptop so yeah. you read it. So and you then- run with your laptop. No, no, I go for the run. Then after oh, I've done okay, that, right, my right, routine right. is to, to sit down, have a coffee and Let write the it. man speak. Sorry. Oh, gosh, no way. Sorry, so I've after you're reading, this. after you're reading, then you speak it, like you talk it out? or Yeah, when I'm reading it, I say it out loud. Because oh, okay. as you're reading it, you realise whether you're waffling, yeah. what doesn't make sense. Now, wow. uh, you told me one time your after church routine of watching yourself on video. Yeah, I hate that. I yeah. hate that. Just tell us about yeah, that. Yeah, I do. I do watch it and listen to myself, but I hate it. I yeah, hate it with compassion. Like, te- like tell us you do it. Like a lot of people don't do it. Tell us what you do. Yeah, I'll just watch it and um, and like how uh, many times? Like just together or? Oh, I don't really have a distinct. Okay. I'll just watch it a few times, but then I can go. Hey, you know. Uh, 
wouldn't mind smiling every now and then, Darren, with you <laughs> and stuff like that. So, Darren, um, do you know that's like the number one feedback we give Miriam during these podcast oh, sessions? I have like a like resting, smile, resting I won't swear, but I have a resting biatch face. Yeah. <laughs> biatch. Oh, I, I, I totally Sayo. get it. Sayo. Well, the problem is passion looks a lot like anger when you're speaking. Oh, so, excuse it. My so, problem. Yeah, so, sometimes people just feel like you're angry at them, not yeah, passionate. Yeah, yeah, true, um, true. But no, I, watch it. I remember for once, uh, I remember for ages, I was holding in a mic and uh, for some reason I put my fingers out and I looked like I'd be pulling the finger like while I'm speaking in church for a whole message. I was like, oh, come I on. I may or may not just, you know, yeah, 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 just my like, remember, yeah, no, it's terrible. It's terrible. So. And then, didn't you like have like a word that you had to say or something in like a, yeah. a prank or something? Oh, right? yeah, we used to, oh, that was a bit silly. When we were younger, we'd all give each other a funny word. Uh, and, like an and it was like a challenge in that time to speak where you had to say that word without anyone realizing. <laughs> so what was oh, the word? We just do silly ones, like just weird. Yeah, I don't know, like, like an elephant or something like mezzanine that. Mezzanine or? or like <laughs> you know, just words that you'd never ever say in a message, but we we'd say it. Um, but you oh, have uh, so matured good. from that. Yeah, yeah, that was just games to keep it interesting. That was hilarious. So, and just that. my final point on uh, the speaking side. So, do you try and share stories? Uh, like, how is there a methodology because yeah you're really good at bullet points i've yeah. got takeaways i've got yeah. stories i've got like a, a few bible verses is there like a methodology that you use or um not not heaps i, I guess you always want to add in a bit of story obviously you know some verses and um some points what i do is if it's naturally following out as i'm writing it if it's naturally coming along chronologically i'll put it into points if it's not coming along in distinct like if it's not flowing in distinct parts then i'll just keep it as a free flow um but what you know i've learned more and more it's funny when you're anything in public speaking and ted talks has probably shown this to be really specific is people will only ever remember one or two things so mm. i've i've started trying to do bullet points because they might not remember the whole message yeah. but they'll remember two to three things mm. Mm. and in fact as, as i started doing that i noticed people start taking photos and they remember it yeah that's right um, we do that is me yeah yeah so for me i'm like if i can if they just remember three things then that's great because nothing worse than finishing a talk and so was yes you know was the best part and they're like ah oh. you. like, oh. yeah, <laughs> no, like I've got a little red book with all my notes in oh, it yeah, well, that's encouraging yeah, you know? yeah, so, a little red book that's funny um, now cool. and my challenge to you is to do a TED talk oh, oh I would love to yeah, yeah. I would love to they're coming to town next you got to apply I think I love them obviously yeah. I watch them on Apple TV yeah um, no I think that's the way to go less yeah. time and more do you more have potent. a favourite TED talk or one that you I haven't watched any for a while mm. um Oh, but there was one. I can't remember it, but it was incredible. Um, Sounds amazing. <laughs> he basically he basically talked about how most leaders always talk about the what and not about the why. Simon Sinek? It might be that, yeah. The why the one? The, the why? circle one? Maybe. Three yeah. circles? Oh, Probably, I don't know. I love, Simon Sinek uh, does a why one. He talks I, a lot about Apple and how, you know. Yeah, it's probably it. If you talk about the why, then people won't care about the what, mm. you know. I just so. got into Death by PowerPoint. Um the TED Talk and I'm like telling everyone about how good it is Death by Pepper okay. Google it we need to okay. watch it yeah Lots you must it. absolutely yeah. so we're going to get on to some meteor issues right. let me have a drink from my Ooh. pink teacup yeah let's go you're, everyone you're, what take did you a call it my the pink BC. Is... no what did you give me the acronym what was it EG EG EGT like, I'll have oh, an EG no, EB. oh EB and I was like what you didn't EB. know what it was no. oh goodness yeah, okay. we were like, oh, you we're obviously not. go to a cafe quite a lot yeah no that's fine EB what did you say? So, e- EB. 
yeah. English breakfast. English breakfast. Who else knew that? I just wanted everyone to know. Maybe it's something let I invented. us know. Yeah, please let me know. Did is that a common thing? Am I just you know not with it? All so right. I was chatting to a mutual friend mm. and of both of us. She's actually known you um, through your a, a bit of your journey. Yes. And um, we, I was like, oh, I'm interviewing Doran. What question should I ask? And we got onto the subject of guilt. Mm. And um, she brought up that for almost two decades, she suffered with a guilt that she was the cause of her parents' bad relationship. Wow. And then I was like, oh, wow. And then it just triggered something in me where it's just like far out. Mm. Like I feel this guilt, which I'm trying to get over, of um, because I went through a divorce. In doing that in a Christian setting, it's like kind of like a hush-hush type of thing that I'm dealing with um, but just that guilt that oh my god what have I done to my kids lives yeah. and I feel like I'm getting over that and I'm doing a whole lot of good things but yeah I think this is a bit of an issue that mm. a lot of people face totally what sort of um, guidance or can you give to us on this um, well the thing is guilt guilt is a, it's a very real thing I think everyone feels a level of guilt um, you know in different ways and I guess, look, a couple of thoughts on what I would say about it is, uh, you know, especially when you're young, you really do kind of um, get absorbed by that kind of stuff and it plays out when you're older, right? This is what I've realized is um, if I give two pieces of advice is get around someone that gives you unconditional love. So I think one of the best answers to uh, wrestling with guilt is to be around unconditional love. So for me, um, there was a couple that have always been, uh, they've loved us at our worst and they've loved us at our best, right? Mm. Um, and for me, th- you know, I probably wouldn't do be what I'm doing if it wasn't for them, right? Uh, you know, they were generous with their time, with their food. We weren't always having deep chats. Sometimes it was just Netflix. But for me, when, when I always feel guilty, I, I, everything inside of me wants to work through my guilt, but maybe I can just, maybe the guilt is secondary to something else. Maybe the primary issue is unconditional love, right? Mm. So if I can, if I can go to places where I can have unconditional love in my life, maybe the guilt will fall off, fall off, um, without me trying to work through it. So what I, what I would suggest is surround yourself with people that love you unconditionally. Now, you may not have many of that, right? I got my uh, sisters. Yeah. Oh, I got um, my family. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. That's now, right. For me, for me, it's the God thing. I know, I know for me, there's nothing I can do to make God love me more. It's called, we call it amazing grace, right? Mm. There's nothing we can do to make him love me less. So if God's not holding guilt on me, then I, I, sh- I, don't need to hold guilt on myself either. So if I would say to people that can't get that unconditional love from people, maybe be open to to the God thing. Um, because for me, I think one of the reasons why I haven't felt a lot of what I felt through adoption is not because I've experienced it and worked through it, but simply because there isn't a hole there because kind of that God thing's filled it. And I know that yeah. he has that unconditional love for me. And I feel it to the point where I want to, you know, give it to others as well. Now, I would say this, yeah, a, a guilt-ridden version of you will always be um, a less version of you. Mm. The best the best thing I can do, this is the thing I've learned with parenting, is I can get yeah. super guilty that I've done the wrong thing as a parent. But the truth is the best thing for my kid is not to have a guilt-ridden father. The best yeah. thing for my daughter is to have 
um, a together dad. Yeah. Yeah. So in a sense, I would never say this about you, I'll say about me, right? <laughs> Being guilty is actually a little bit selfish for the ones that I love because yeah. My daughter does not need a guilt-ridden dad. My mm-hmm. daughter needs a strong dad. My da- yeah. daughter needs someone that can give unconditional love. So for me, if I can't get over guilt for me, maybe I can get over guilt for the ones that I love so that they – the last thing I want is a daughter that, that feels guilt. Yeah. I want to fight so they don't have to fight some yeah. battles themselves, you know. I love that. Awesome. And, like, I love how you just said that resonates with what we talk about. It's not dwelling on the guilt rather than, like, yeah. focusing on um, yeah. what you've got going for you. And, like you said, focusing on that relationship that helps you. Yeah, that's, that's right. That is brilliant. That is well done. Now, you did bring up um, Grace, a concept, and one of my favourite songs is actually Amazing Grace. That's awesome. It's also a lot in our family. Um, even one of our atheist um, family members wants to have it played at her funeral. Wow. Um, Grace is a really um, powerful concept. Can you just sing it for us a little bit? (laughs) (laughs) No. Okay. I feel like you you considered that for a moment. I did. I did. I was like, a lot of people might not know the song. Do you want to sing it, Dora? Absolutely not. We do not have singers here. (laughs) The viewers will drop off by the second. (laughs) Um, what What does grace mean to you? Yeah, well, grace is that. Nothing you can do to make God love you less. Nothing you can do to make him love you more, Mm. right? Um, But it's also this. Grace isn't – it's not about your love. I'm going to talk about in a God context, right? It's not about your love for God. So a lot of people don't like religion because they feel like they got to do this and do that and and get this right and get this all together. But grace is actually God loving you, not you loving him, right? So for me, I think about it like this. At my absolute worst – God loves me the same when I'm at my absolute best. Like to, yeah. to have that is 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 that's just ridiculous, you know. Um, he loves me at my absolute worst, and uh, I don't know about you, but like dwelling on that just makes me a more joyful person, mm-hmm. a more together person. It makes me a better father. Makes me a better husband. Makes me a better friend. Um, it, it makes I feel like it makes me better in every possible way. So yeah. And um, another powerful concept, forgiveness, Mm. which (laughs) when I thought of forgiveness, I thought of my sister here (laughs) because she remembers everything. Wow. (laughs) Like if someone didn't come to her birthday party. No, that's not right. Not like that. Just what you do. Okay. (laughs) It's personal. (laughs) So I'm asking for a friend. Yes, yes. Yes. Everyone. I'm oh. you for a I don't remember everything. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, but I see a lot of people just carrying, carrying around this anger and this hurt and yeah. this resentment for something that happened like 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, and for me, it's perhaps potentially like struggling to forgive myself sometimes on yeah. things. But um, yeah, how do we forgive people that have hurt us? Yeah, look, it's it's so hard, you know, because you feel like you do forgive and then you kind of get, you know, um, post-traumatic forgiveness disorder where yeah, something comes up and all of a sudden what they said, what they thought just triggers it in you. And, um, and you're like, oh, maybe I haven't completely forgiven. Um, look, forgiveness for me is, is, again, it's hard to talk about it um, outside of a God sense because that's that's kind of – where I'm coming from. But for me, forgiveness, it's not me saying what they did doesn't matter. It's me saying, uh, it's me saying God will take care of that. 
um, it's my responsibility to forgive, right? So it's my responsibility. Uh, it doesn't mean it doesn't necessarily mean that I'm I'm going to completely forget. Like I might trust might have to be rebuilt, and um, certain boundaries may have to be put in place. Um, but forgiveness isn't really for the person that's done it. It's for you. Mm. When I'm unforgiving, I'm the one that's angry. I'm the one mm. that's thinking about it in the shower. I'm the one waking up first thought in my mind. I'm the one struggling to in- enjoy quality time. I'm the one like. I'm actually getting exhausted by forgiveness. So getting rid of it or dealing with it, wrestling with it is actually for your own benefit, right? Um, otherwise, I'm the one that suffers. And then, you know, I'm taking it out on people around me. We, we all do that. Yeah. So forgiveness isn't necessarily for the person you're forgiving. I would say it's for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but the God factor of it is, hey, you know, God promises to be faithful and, you know, over time, will restore, will, um, you know, do do his part on his side. So, And I, um, we were talking about this in the car because Miriam t- decides that I um, have troubles with this, but I actually don't because I have figured out the keys to get rid of it. And it's actually with, um, and you're, you're really good at doing this, but um, if I just find that if you do your, like your morning routine of like mm. starting the day in gratefulness, it's a lot a lot easier to remain that way. Totally. Um, and well, yeah. yeah. So I, know for, I know for me, business can be sometimes a bit cutthroat. Yeah. Like it's sometimes a bit of a like dog eat dog world out there. Yeah. Um, but I just feel like, if I give them, if I don't forgive them or if I don't move on and let go, they win. They have the power and it's all about, no, that's not being my best self. Yeah, totally. And then you're, you're a worse off, uh, you know, your leader. Mm. You're just yeah. a less version of yourself. So, again, yeah. same as guilt. You become less than what, what you can be. You know, so again, you're the one missing out, and because you're the one missing out, everyone else is too. You know, yeah. mm. um, I would say forgiveness is a process. You know, there's some things that will, uh, if you want to get forgiveness in a month or a day, there's some things that may take five yeah. to ten years to, to work through. Um, so I definitely don't think it's a destination. I think it's an ongoing process where you. There's some things I get over in a second. There's some things yeah. I need to continually work through and be mindful and aware of it. You know. Yeah, mm. that's good. The next, the next tough, tough one. So what one of the things. So a big something has just come into my life. I don't know, but I've been having um, quite a few friends. And it's actually been guy friends. Mm. Um, I don't know if as females we just talk about it and maybe the guys bottle it up a little bit. Yeah, totally. Um, But just like struggling with anxiety and um, depression. And I was at a accounting conference last night and they were saying mental health is just like it was pretty serious with business owners. 70% responded to say that they're feeling anxious, stressed, or depressed. Yeah, wow. Well. Um, and I know I was probably in a bit of a hard situation about a year ago. Mm. Um, and what words of encouragement do you have to someone that's um, feeling these thoughts? Yeah, look, um, they say, I guess they say anxiety, it's, you know, it's it's massive today, more than it's ever been. Yeah. It's, it's hard because in a sense, I, I don't have the answer. Um, you know, I don't in any way proclaim to be able to fix it or or anything like that that's a that's a again that's another thing that is a process not a destination i don't think i don't know if we'll ever reach a place where anxiety isn't um 
a thing for us. I think it's not something you can get rid of. I think it's something you have to manage. And in fact, if you if you study a lot of anxiety, some anxiety is actually really good for you, right? Some anxiety is what actually causes you to rise to the fight. It's what it shows that stuff matters to you. Um, anxiety isn't always a negative thing. It, it can actually be a positive thing. But I'm very conscious that it's a very real thing for a lot of people. Um, I don't want to dumb it down. A couple of solutions but i guess again for me it comes back to what we we're saying about guilt and forgiveness um for my wife for my daughter and for the people i'm caring about they need the best me yeah right i actually think the best solution to dealing with a lot of personal stuff is an unselfish solution so that for them to get the best me i need to overcome my anxiety in the best possible way um they need a strong dad and a strong husband and if they're going to get an anxious dad and an anxious husband, then for my family and those I'm caring about, I'm going to see anxiety in them. So the reason why I want to be different is because I don't want them to fight that battle. I want them to be secure. I want them to feel loved. I want them to have the best me. So therefore, I need to actively work on me being the best me. Mm. I need to find a way. I need to see what are my triggers and anxiety, what triggers me off. Being home alone, does that get me overthinking? Um, you know, being poorly organized, does that get me anxious? I need to find out what my triggers are um, and I need to work a way through it. And in fact, there's a there's a great book and I'll, I'll share it for the last point that you said. It, it's not by a Christian author, but it's one. It's the one I'm reading at the moment, which is called Atomic Habits, right? And uh, it's by James Clear, I'm just looking at it on my iPhone. Um, and he just talks a lot about developing habits not about setting goals but setting habits if you can set the right habits you'll reach your goals anyway yeah but he talks about habit stacking if you can stack positive habits on top of each other um then it's a great growth principle so i think with anxiety if you can find a way of stacking um anxiety solutions on each other if you know it's when you're alone then organize a regular time when you're with people if it's when you're with people then regularize an organ a normal time when you're away you know i think we got to find as many ways to stack as many solution-based ways as we can to deal with it um but in saying that divert you know anxiety is so diverse there's there's so many different yeah. forms of it yeah, but hopefully right. that helps yeah, yeah i love that bit. i love that practical tips and if the there habit, is great. um anyone listening that is suffering we'd definitely encourage them to go and seek support yeah, yeah absolutely absolutely mm. And you can message Darren on his Instagram. <laughs> yeah, as you're discovered. to. He's <laughs> talking about that. And so um, for what other words of encouragement? I know, so for me a year ago, I honestly thought, and I don't want to swear because I'm in front of my pastor. No, that's fine. That's <laughs> they fine. can censor it, but not on the Facebook Live. Yeah. So I honestly thought like I had fucked up my life. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so just all this like all these things were just like going wrong. I got hit yeah. with three really full on things. Yeah. Um, like finalizing a divorce. I was seeing a guy who'd broken up with me and then my um, business partnership had fallen through. Yeah. And it was just like, oh, whole, like just, I realized like it was up to me to sort of change and to, um, yeah, just make those, yeah. just slow changes to, to just, 
be really like, this is not the life that I wanted. Yes. How do I go out and change yeah. it? What words of encouragement do you have for someone that wants to make those changes? Yeah, look, um, you know, life life is, that's challenging. There's moments and it feels like when it happens, all happens at once, right? Yeah, um, I call it often it, does. <laughs> absolutely. I call it, I call it um, you know, in leadership sense, I call it leadership quicksand where you, you're sinking and every effort you make to get out, you kind of go deeper, right? Um, and it's hard. Like it's it's absolutely hard. Look, I, I think it's never one thing. It's it's a lot of different things, which is what you're saying. Um, I I firmly believe I believe that people are way more capable than they think they are. Like I I've watched, you know, becoming a dad has shown me that. Like you know, I thought life was challenging before, but then you add an extra stuff and you realize you're capable of so much more. Mm. You're capable with less sleep. You're capable with less input to yourself. Um, people are incredibly strong. For me, I always say, I say in church, if you could think about yourself, how God thinks about you, you would be blown away how much, how capable he knows you to be, right? Um, I was even reading the other day, the SAS have this rule, it's called the 40% rule. And they say that whenever they're at their point of tiring out, right, um, they're actually only at 40% of their capacity, right? So wow. I would I would say you're capable of so much more than you think you are. I know it feels like you're drowning and it feels like you're deep. And in those moments, it feels like you're absolutely losing the plot. But what if you were actually only at 40% of your capacity in that moment? What if you actually had 60% more to give? Imagine. For me, that that makes me feel empowered, like I can actually do something, like I've actually got so much more in me. Mm. Um, but one practical thing um, I've learned is something that I remember reading a while ago called the 1% rule, right? Which is that if I, 1% sounds really small, but 1% multiplied over and over and over um, is a powerful thing. Now, I think um, in this book, it actually talks about it as well. It's about consistently doing 1%. So most of the breakthroughs, most of the great things that I feel have happened in my life very rarely came off from me doing one amazing thing. It just came from me doing one small right thing over and over and over and over and over. Just an encouragement there. You know, it's the same with exercise, with food. You don't get skinny by fasting one meal, you know? What? That's right. It's, <laughs> it's, just, it's just 1%, but most people, they want a quick fix and a quick solution. Mm, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, and, and it doesn't happen. Like nothing, very few things in life happen that quick. Mm. So for me, much of what I feel has been a great blessing in my life has come from me just consistently doing 1%. You know, I for me, it's been 1% a better husband every day. It's just trying to further myself 1% at a time. And that takes the weight off of going, I've got to come up with this million dollar idea or I've got to absolutely nail this opportunity, which just puts anxiety on you. Um, building anything happens in 1%. It doesn't happen, you know, with these massive moments. I don't think so anyway. So we got our gold. I'm writing notes as we're going along here. Yeah. Do you know what? Your story about the 40%, I actually reckon I heard that from you. And yeah. that, that whole concept has just, you know, opened mm. a bit of a um, spot for me. But that where when we think we can give up, we actually have uh, totally yeah, more, more SAAS to proven. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. Well, I read a magazine, so hopefully, yeah. it's, well, I was eating a burger at Grill, and yeah. I was like, "Oh, it's so interesting because it is. It's so true." I mean, I don't know if anyone watches the program Life Hack, which is coming into season two, right? And you see, you see what what the human body is capable of is is remarkable. Um, 
it, it, it's just amazing, you know. Um, and this is a bit of a difficult question, but I'm asking it anyway. I don't mm. believe that the um, that this is your particular church, but yes. what mistake do you think the church has made in not being relevant um, to our generation? Oh, look, I think, you know, like anything, the, the church has imperfections. Um, first of all, I'd say this. What, what I've learned, and I've said this before, it rhymes, so it's a bit corny, but what I've learned in church life is um, is when it comes to frustration, I've said it before, your frustration is your allocation, right? So for me, what I aim to do is not get frustrated at all the things that church is doing wrong. I, I want to see what's the frustration, my frustration, and turn it into an allocation. So when I first came to church, um, I found it uh, to be really clicky, right? Yeah. Even though I had great friendships, you know, I had limited friendships and it was really clicky. And I realized I could spend all my emotional energy getting frustrated at that or I could be the person to change that. Mm-hmm. So now where I am right now, for me, one of the most important things when it comes to church is not being so churchy that new people don't feel welcome. So I'm always trying to, and we're not perfect by any means, but I'm always trying to break clicks down. So I, I think it's not too much about relevance. I feel like people are starting to realize that church has modern itself. Um, in fact, I think the media is starting to attack the church for having modern buildings and you know great resource and stuff like that. I, I think everything comes down to relational. People not feeling connected, mm. people not feeling like, just feeling like they're in an organization but not family. Um, so I think, I think the church has a great challenge to keep it about people, keep it about relationship. That's why I love, I love that we've just started a campus because we have terrible facilities. We have, um, we have so many things that aren't going for us. We run kids programs. We don't have the best kids rooms, even though your kids go. But for me, people just keep coming and it mm. keeps growing and growing and growing because I've realized if I can just mail, nail the main thing, which is what I believe church is called to do, love people, be genuine, be real, um, you know, encourage relationship, then we're winning. And people are willing to put aside all the, the imperfections because the main thing is we're doing our best to champion that main thing, Yeah, you know? So I think the great challenge of the church is to make it about people and relationship, mm. um, a place of belonging. I think, let me say this, I, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're a drug addict or if you're a CEO, it doesn't matter if you're whatever, a prostitute or a famous sports person. What I love about church, they, they all belong there no matter what. Yeah. And I, I think I think it should look a bit messy um, in church, you know. So. <laughs> if it's not messy, I don't know if you're doing something right. uh, You just mentioned about your incredible growth, and that's one thing I don't think our audience knows, just how you've gone from what you had, like, no one to how many people do you have in the church now? Yeah, well, we have, we have about 300 on, on a Sunday. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, we're currently trying to look for a building that we can have as our yeah. own. Yeah. Um, um, now, we certainly by no means have we made it. There's, there's people doing a lot better and there's people that struggle a lot yeah. more. Um, I don't think we've made it at all. Um, you know, there's there's something like, oh, forget the stat. Obviously, there's thousands of people that don't have a home at church. Yeah. So we've by no means made it. But what I love, I love our cause and our heart, which is that. So yeah. I'm not too concerned about it growing, but I'm like, yeah. if we just keep doing that part, people keep feeling loved and then- yeah. 
it growing as secondary, you know. That's right. I think one of the coolest things is like there's no judgment. Yeah. So um, like you guys follow me sometimes on my Instagram. Yes. And we will be out like on a Saturday night. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> may have had like, well, I may have. Feral's, Feral's very good. I wow. may have had like, you know, one or two drinks. Yes. And, and, and Doran said to you, yeah, go for it. No, no. See you at church tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> but there's like no judgment like coming in. Yeah. It's just like I, I've got a place to come home to and I've got family totally. like people that love me and like yeah will care for me and generally want to make sure I'm okay yeah. so well that's the guilt thing like you don't need to tell me what my weakness is I know what my weakness is mm-hmm. like you, you don't when you criticize me you're actually really just telling me something I already knew about myself I'm probably beating myself up 20 times more than yeah. you are about the thing that I don't like so when people come in I think I think it's the same thing they need unconditional love mm. um, doesn't matter if they were drinking the night before doesn't matter if they were drinking an hour before um, I think I always said this church should be three things it should be a hospital a family and an army and everyone that comes in might feel like they're at different stages an army in the sense that we're fighting for other people not as in get in line <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. it's different stages and it should be all three it should never just be that. one That's of those cool. things you yeah. know um, so for me, I'm always trying to encourage people to get to that army place because the more people that can care for people, the more effective mm. we are. You yeah. know? I like what. So what were the three things? Uh, an army, a hospital, hospital. and a family. Okay. You know? Okay. And most people will come in, you know, feeling like they need somewhere that can heal them. Yeah. yeah. And then after that, they say they'll feel like they need somewhere that can care for them as a family. And then hopefully, once they've received, they want to give and go. Hey, now I want to go do that for someone else. And that's yeah. the power of multiplication of people doing that. Yeah. Is imagine imagine three hundred people. Um, out there serving our community, loving people, yeah. embracing people. That's pretty powerful. And I love just the fact that, you know, because even if you do go to a church, at any stage it can become one of those three things yeah. in your life and you don't necessarily, mm. it's not it's not in any order, but because you need right. to go through stuff and you might need to go back to just basics. Totally. Yeah. Totally. And that's normal. I mean, yeah. the more soldiers go in, they, yeah. they get injured. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love They that. come back, you know. That's so good. And a massive on legacy right now. I'm all back cool. on legacy. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> what legacy are you creating in your life? Um, like, just break that down, Miriam. Like, help us. That's deep, legacy. Yeah. Can you just give us an example? Um, uh, oh, okay. look, for me, for me, I would Darren's say. Darren's great. All right. Oh, no, no, I see, I see what you got. I see okay. what you got. Yeah. For me, for me, legacy starts in my family. So I'm wanting to build a strong, a, a strong, loving family. And if my daughter and my wife are happy, number one, I feel like I'm, I'm doing a great job. Um, you know, and, and I know, you know, not everyone can do that. But for me, I want to make sure that that will always be my number one. Um, for me, um, oh, this might be a bit more of a spiritual answer for viewers yes, are spiritual, but for me, I, I'm, I'm not probably not trying to leave a legacy for me. I'm just trying to reflect probably the love I felt that God has given me. So, you know, I, I'm just trying to be a closer, closer version of who Jesus was, you know. So I'm really walking in the footsteps of his legacy. For me, obviously, you know, that kind of stuff inspires me. I don't want people um, to be Bill and me. I want to build a legacy of people that, that are getting that from God, you know? Yeah. Um, so I want to build a strong family, absolutely. But also I want I want, um, I want, want people to see God, see Jesus for who he is. Um, so I'm probably championing his legacy, you know, so. Great. And what hashtag life hack? <laughs> oh, gosh. 
tip do you have for people to live their best lives? Oh, I shouldn't have said the 1% rule. That, <laughs> yeah. That's probably my one at the moment. Yeah, um, I love it. You can, you can stay with that. I'd steal that. If they, oh, is there anything else? Let me have a think. Um, you know, to be honest, the, the two I really feel like that are kind of at the front of my head is um, is that 1% rule. Just, just, just 1% at a time, but also being a great learner. I don't want to, like I said before, I don't want to ever yeah. stop learning. So mm. for me, I recycle ways of doing that. I might go a month where it's all about podcasts. I might go a month where it's all about audiobooks. I might go a month where I just watch inspirational movies. I'm always wanting to learn from people. So I'm watching the people around me. Um, you know, one of the things I do a lot in leadership, right? being a learner last you know is is i don't always watch the leader i watch the person who's caring for the leader so i i love to watch two ic's because i learn a lot about life through two ic's of an organization of a church of a whatever because everyone wants to be the ceo but no one wants to be a two ic but often you become a two ic before you ever get to that place so i'm always i'm always watching that i'm always wanting to be a learner you, if you stop learning you stop moving forward yeah um and lots of people they do stuff and then you know they just stop there because they're not learning just just find another way to learn yeah you know? great I love that. so awesome way to Very finish cool. it's so, good so how Thank can you. people contact you dora let's talk about yeah. how we can catch you where's the best place to get you um i go on instagram d-o-r-a-n-j-o-u-b-e-r-t yeah um, send Darren all your questions all your, yeah yeah um, or you can contact you us loves to have a dm uh, i can talk time. to you i'm happy yeah. to answer loves yeah. the answer coffee through. as well yeah miriam where's the best place to get you is it instagram or facebook uh yeah both either I've, or miriam is yeah. fab or miriam hall Cool. You guys are doing a great job. Yeah, I love it. Thank so. you. Yeah, we'll cool. Thanks for everyone for watching on Facebook Live. If you do have a question, feel free to pop it in the comments and Doran might also be able to answer it for us. Awesome. All righty. See, See you later. See you guys. Have an awesome week. See ya. See ya. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We are getting awesome feedback from our viewers and listeners and we want to hear from you. What was your key takeaway, your lessons learned, something you can relate to or your aha moment and share it on our Facebook and Instagram. You can also visit our sisterthatslay.com.au website to see what we've been up to. This podcast has been brought to you by Miriam's business, Fab Tax Accountants. We make your life easier, keep your books clean and accounting and tax can even be fun so you can love your numbers.